What's going on, everybody? Thanks for checking out this episode of The Show, The Podcast. Be sure to leave a five-star review, and I'll shout you out in the next episode. Do you want even more content? Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at KDJTV611, or follow me on Twitch, subscribe to me on YouTube. The handles are the same. It's KDJTV. But without further ado, I know why you guys are here. Let's go play some ball. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show, the podcast, episode 57. I can't believe we made it to 57. Not that that's an anniversary number, but I didn't think anybody had listened past one. But here we are. It's episode 57 of the show, the podcast. Uh, if you're on YouTube and if you can read, because there's a title to this episode, you see that Mike Drow is here. Um, Mike, thank you so much. I appreciate everything you do for the community. I'm glad you could uh, spend some time today. It's cool to be invited here. <laughs> thank you. Uh, among the list of legends who've been on the show, the podcast. Um, but we're going to just start with a couple quick announcements, like I always do. Um, stream schedule this week. September is almost over. It ends at the end of September. So we have uh, streams Wednesday night and Thursday night. Between uh, They're going to start between 5.30 and 6 p.m. Eastern, somewhere in that time frame. Depends on when I get home from work. Uh, we're also going to stream Sunday at 9 a.m. to get your hungover fix of MLB The Show. Um, that's not September, though. So if you're looking to sub, Wednesday and Thursday at the time. I never asked for it, but if you're going to do it, it's 50% cheaper. So thank you for even considering it. Um, I wanted to shout out friend of the show, Ashley Sanders, one of the goats. Over the weekend, she hit me with the fattest raid we've ever had. Like 85 people came to hang out, and we had a bunch of new followers, some subs. So, Ashley, if you're listening, and I know you are, uh, thank you so much again. I appreciate it. Also, quick life update. I went 12-0 and 0 for the first time. Can you believe it, Chad? I did it. Finally did it. I felt more accomplished than I've ever felt in my entire life. Um, dreams. This is what dreams are made of. I heard Lizzie McGuire in my head the whole time. Um, finally did it. Very, very proud of myself. Thank you. I can hear you guys clapping and cheering from afar. Um, but Mike's here. So we're going we're gonna to stop ignoring him now. Just wanted to give you guys some life updates. Um, if you don't know Mike, you're clearly not on Twitter. Uh, but, but if you don't know Mike, big Yankee fan, big Twitter guy. Facebook uh, group moderator times two, I learned. Um, giver of tips, maker of TikToks, uh, maker of pizzas. Uh, so, Mike, just if people don't know you, again, it's crazy to me if they don't, but tell them just a little bit about yourself and uh, we'll hop into this thing. Let's see. Well, once again, thank you for having me here. I'm that kid, like, when they ask you, like, say something about yourself in school, I'm like, no one look at me, so I don't like doing that. <laughs> yeah, Although my fun tweets fact about kind of, like, drag attention towards me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I try to talk about preaching pizza and positivity. Even if I'm, like, talking about something serious, mm-hmm. there's an intent behind it meant to bring out something good in it. So, I don't know. I just like making a difference. Mm-hmm. I like creating content because that brings me with people, ultimately, whether – you agree with me on something or not, whether I'm passionately against what you're saying or not. The whole point of having like a discussion to bring people together and figure out something deep inside of that or at the end of it that we can get along with. Mm-hmm. I just like creating content. I like creating pizza because also where I work, I manage a restaurant that is community driven. It's in a small town. We do the donations for the football games, for yeah. the t-ball games, whatever, stuff like that. Like if the fire department's fighting a fire past closing up we stay up for a couple of pies something like that it, 
I just like the community that this is created that I've been accepted into basically. I guess and, Fittingly for this episode, I just finished eating uh, vodka chicken parm. So I got my Italian fix going on, homemade, of course, because it's better that way. Little, yeah, little chef's kiss. Had some broccoli Fantastic. on the side because my girlfriend likes vegetables. So, you know, we're doing it up. Uh, I feel like I'm in the, the Ginza Loon type of mood tonight, if people know what that means, if they're Italian. <laughs> I'm, I'm half Italian, so I can say that. Um, there you go. So the Facebook group, we, we talked about it a little before recording. It's such an interesting place. Now I've, I've learned there's multiple. I've, I'm in one of them, MLB, the show 21 community group or something to that effect. Uh, there's like 20 something thousand members in there. Uh, it's constantly at the top of my Facebook feed. Sometimes, um, most of the time arguments, which I'm sure are not fun to moderate, but you know, if you really look through it and you go into it as a level-headed human being, which is asking a lot, apparently, um, you can really learn a lot. You really get good tips. You get people's opinions on which cards they're liking versus other ones, what people are struggling with, how you can help them. Um, you kind of told me before we were recording, but just the, the genesis of the Facebook group, like you realized it would be a place for help and, it, and it's grown. So how did that all come about? Yeah, so as we talked before recording, I have been playing the show for a couple of years. I've been playing baseball games my whole life, MVP 05. I used to play the modded games on that too, where it had a little bit of a community, which kind of, I do have a funny connection about the MVP community that leads into the show community that some people don't know about. But around 17, I was a road to the show guy. I played a little bit of Diamond Dynasty for a couple of years, but I wasn't good. I didn't even know what directional or zone hitting was. I didn't know what pure analog pitching was. I just pressed buttons and like watched things happen. Um, I would spend money on packs here and there and like buy a bunch of live series cards thinking I was some hot shot at the game feeding all the cards into my 99 overall cap and then stumble across a couple of Facebook groups. I think I found the most toxic group of all time that is somehow still functioning and left that group. And then I came across the show community group that we're talking about where um, one of the admins of that group kind of like took me in and like helped me with some tips as well as a bunch of other members, which got me into being I'm not good at the game, but I'm much better. I can make World Series now comfortably. I know how to work the marketplace, take uh, batting practice, got my batting average up. I hit 300 one year. Um, So overall, that community has just been very helpful in making me a better player and making so many friends in the process that I went to TwitchCon with, that I got to meet at TwitchCon or have meetups with beforehand, et cetera. It is a very good resource, but within the last year or so, exploding with cross-platform or just more people gaming in general with the pandemic, there's a lot more toxicity with people letting out frustrations and it channels yeah. through baseball debates or diamond dynasty debates, or someone wants to bring an IRL baseball situation being affected by politics mm-hmm. into the group, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But ultimately it is a fantastic resource. It's like I said, made countless friends through that justice. It's been just as helpful in content creation as well. Cause there's thousands of people. We let creators post whatever they want in the group as long as they contribute to the group in some way. It's not just like, hey, I'm live. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have on occasion posted episodes in there. Yeah. Like, hey, guys, you like Spore? Spore was on the show. You want to listen? Check it out. You know, I don't try yeah. to spam my stuff in there because, like you said, people don't want to see people spamming. Um, I mean, I'm not the most active member of the group anyway, so it would look like I'm only in there to spam my content, and I'm not. Um, But one of the things I've seen in that group is that 
a lot of the memes that go in there, like the, oh, where can I improve my team? Meanwhile, it's like the best players across the board. People don't understand all the time that that is a meme and a joke. So people then get feisty, be like, what are you talking about? You got the best team. And then they fight back and forth. And it's like a hundred comments later. And I'm like, I wasted my time reading this. So yeah, I think people, again, just like cooler heads prevail. Just like if, if you're not happy with something, don't say something about it. Like it's that simple. I don't understand why people the group don't is like the world. It is yeah. what you make it of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you don't like it, leave or do something to be a part of it exactly exactly but overall i mean such a good resource like i could if you're a brand new player if you were an xbox player this year who's never touched mlb the show before and you join that group i guarantee you've learned something from that group has it made you better necessarily i mean that's entirely on you at the end of the day but like tips and advice wise that's kind of the place to be because you have 20 something thousand people at least 50% of whom probably a lot more have definitely experienced the game for a while, you know? So like, they know what they're talking about. Hopefully I shouldn't, I shouldn't yeah. say that across the board, but hopefully they know what they're talking about. Um, oh yeah. And you get like a vast uh, using the word diversity in it's like dictionary definition of like, there's people of every type from all corners who all ages, maybe not all ages, but you know, a decent sized demographic, like you're learning things from a lot of different people. That's important. Um, but the, the Facebook groups in general, have you found as being a moderator, you know, you're, we're going to talk about this later too. You, you balance work and play. When I say play, I mean your content creation because you're playing the game, but like you, you balance all that to the best of anybody's ability. Like we all have to find our own balances, but then you're also adding moderating into that for two groups. Does that like take your time away from doing other things or is it kind of just a passive type of when you're on Facebook, you, you hop in there for a while. It, it's kind of like that, especially at this point with how busy I am, like balancing a relationship, balancing more responsibility at work, uh, diversifying my content and not streaming as much as I used to. So it's like, if I, if I'm on my phone and like, it, like the groups come up on my feed more than anything else, because I don't really post much on Facebook anymore, unless it's in that group, just with how busy I am. Usually the first things are the things that generate the most comments. Usually if it's a bad thing, people getting into debates and stuff like that, that's when they filter the fastest and they fly to the top of the algorithm, especially as a moderator. So it's kind of like we, we deal with it there or people will just report a post, which we get a personal notification for, or like a moderator. There's, I think there's like 12 or 13 moderators in one of the groups. Um, something comes up, they're going to be like, hey, what do you guys think of this? They'll usually tag three or four people that they think are around at that time of day. Be like, what should we do with this? What do you want to do with this guy? Or, hey, just a heads up, this guy got booted. If he's got a problem with that, send him this way for a message and an explanation, whatever. But it's not too much of an occupying task. And on the subject if anything, of- is, if anything, it's more than like you see 50 people requesting to join the group a day. You just see if they answer the question, do you approve or deny they just hit them, it? Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, on the subject of social media, I don't mean to bring up something that is a little somber, but we're on Twitter account number two. Oh, well, that's a funny thing for all for all of the situations <laughs> I've been involved with on social media, particularly Twitter. <laughs> it was a copyright video from 2018. I don't even know what the tweet was. I don't know what yeah. the song was. And you had they, no malicious intent. Nothing. I'd never gotten a warning about DMC either. I don't think they just caught like three strikes and wiped them out all at once and banned me. It's still not a permanent suspension, but the level that I've had to fight and claw to get through around to 
I have to go seek the original copyright holder and ask them to withdraw their hold on that tweet or something like that. And I'm like, I don't care that much. It, I, I mean, like it, it sucks because, so I know Healy got hit with his about around the same time. It might it probably the same wave of strikes that they were sending out, but it's like, you guys lose out on a whole community you built. And, you know, both of you have tried and many other creators, it's not just the two of you, but many other creators have like started to build back that following. I think Ants is on his second Twitter account too. Like he got, he got, they both got banned for copyright stuff too. Yeah. I don't know anyone. I'm not sure if anyone in the community with a following has gotten banned for anything besides copyright. Because even though there are occasionally very stupid arguments on Twitter, most of them started by 16 year olds um, who are, you know, very good at the game. Good for them, but they just think their shit don't stink to be perfectly honest. But beside the point, um, everybody is civil enough on Twitter. Like there's arguments, but usually unless you're saying some really, really, really egregious stuff, People just let you say. And then you find me coming after them afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, even then, you're not even even the kids that are aggressive and like to start arguments. I don't even find that as bad. It's it's more or less the people that aren't as involved in stuff on a daily basis because they're the first ones. I I guess when you create content, some uh, most of them feel like they have something to lose if they were to act like that. So they, or they're just raised better to act that way. Mm -hmm. It's it's always like the anonymous kids that no one really knows of that's always looking at like. When you have someone going after scan, I'm like, what the hell is wrong? Another friend of the show who is one of the nicest human beings on this earth. Like, I'm not saying anyone deserves to have someone toxic come at them, but when someone makes a rude comment towards Scuffy or scan or Shelfie or Dim, I'm like, what? You're picking on the wrong guys. Like, I'm like, listen, when you come at me, at least I kind of get it because I'm like, kind (laughs) of look, not that I'm looking for it, but like, I know my words might come across a little more pointed and you're a little like, hey, this guy said something that like hits me on a personal level. I'm like, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. But like when people go after scan, I'm like, I'm like scan, just send them this way, please. Like I can handle it. <laughs> Redirect Don't. the traffic. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, you're better than me. Just let, as, let me be the guy. As amazing as this community is by and large, we talked about it. Everybody's so nice. I've had people give up their time to come on my podcast, knowing not a thing about me. Like I started my podcast and my third episode was scuffy. I just reached out. I was like, Hey man, I have three listeners. Do you want to be on my podcast? He's like, absolutely. Like there is so much just nice, kind, generous people. So many of them in our community. There's still a lot of toxic shit. I played a ranked game today. Ranked has been driving me insane all season, all year. It's stale. It's harder than it's ever been to do anything. Um, This season, sidebar, this season alone, I've been 898, 888, 890, Eight, um, 80, like six or 85, I've lost every single World Series game. And they're all close because of stupid shit. So I will make World Series this year. I've done it every year or every season, but the first one, because the first one it required too many games. But like, I, so I lost a game. I was 890. I lost four to two. Reasonable game. I had seven hits. He had four. By no means was it an utter domination. He pitched with Bob Feller. I hadn't seen Bob Feller in rank yet. It was on Hall of Fame. It was a little quick. It was a little fast. He's nasty on Hall of Fame. He is not. Exactly. Like, like I, I am 100% with the people that talk about the hits per nine issue. 
But the bottom line is, if I can't read what's coming out of your hand or if you got outlier, I'm going to have problems. And the changeup is so slow. It's like, whoa, Walter you're Johnson flailing. gives me problems. Yeah. Nolan Ryan gives me problems. It doesn't matter if you have a slider. If you throw 102 and you have I relatively have a problem. decent yeah. hits per nine, I have a problem. But now, so I lose to this guy. It was not a toxic game. There was some weird shit. Like, his pitching strategy, obviously it worked because I couldn't hit the ball, but like, a little toxic sometimes I lose the game. I go on to Twitch an hour and a half later, just to check something. I get a whisper. I'm like, Oh boy, this'll be great. He goes, Hey bro, I just kicked your ass, but good for you for getting two runs off Bob Feller. I'm like, sir, I had seven hits and you had four. You didn't kick my ass. If anything, I hit better than you. You just happen to have more runners cross the plate because they were on a better base to start with. Like, it's like that, that toxic shit doesn't fly with me but also i know this like if you put twitch.tv on your team name you sign up for that because you're marketing yourself while also making yourself vulnerable at the end of the day and that's what it comes down to the majority of games i play now will have someone they'll they'll at least view it and like send a message later or they'll like be in the chat before or after and like i get it it's always cool to face a streamer even though i'm not a big streamer but like they're like, GG, I just beat you. I'm like, yo, if you look at my record, like, there's nothing really to that. Mm-hmm. Like, good for you, but, like, I'm not great. Yeah. I'm all – like, if you want to come in chat while I'm playing you and say, hey, man, I'm playing you or, hey, man, GG or good luck, cool. That's just being a nice person. But if you're going to yeah. start, like, throwing shit my way after you beat me or after I do something that you don't like, come on. You know, and then, then there's the people who put on their toxic show for streamers. Like, oh, you're a streamer and you're live? I'm going to bump dance every single time I have a chance to. That's like, guys, why, like, why are we children? Why are we children? We don't have to be. This guy that I've known from the group for like a couple of years matched up with me last year, I think. And like, he was like, oh, I got so excited facing you. Sorry, I was being toxic. I'm like, you know me. I'm like, I'm not even somebody. So it's not like I'm a random stream that you're like, you see like a Twitch title thing and you're like, oh, wow, he's a streamer. Like, I'm like, you know who I am. You know, I'm not big. So mm-hmm. why are you doing this? There's not a lot of people watching you. I'm like, walked his ass off anyway. And I yeah. was pumped up about it. And he was like, yo, sorry about that. And I was like, no. Nah. I was like, take it out back. Get out of here. Yeah, but- I mean, ultimately, play how you want to play. If, if, if you think you need to steal from second, bunt, and round third and score to do things like – I mean, if that's how you play, that's how you play. But if you then need that it's, bad, then, then congratulations. Yeah, but like, like if, you're, if, you don't, if you're not confident in your hitting ability, I mean, that's on you. But at the end of the day, it's don't have the audacity to then say shit is really what it comes down to. I also find it incredibly annoying when I create content. I'm not some – I didn't sign up to be a role model. I didn't, I'm not <laughs> the leader of the Peace Corps. I'm not supposed to go send you a carrier pigeon with some candies after a game, whether I win or lose. And this game is frustrating, and it's not even what the player does. It's the way the game's feedback system plays. It's the way the hitting mm-hmm. engine works, the pitching, the, the timing fielding, the of everything. Yeah. So if I'm upset that I square something up and it goes nowhere, I am not mad at you, but I'm going to let out my frustrations. I'm in a public forum where people are watching me get my ass kicked, and I can't let – and the game will not let me put up a fight sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, these guys complain so much. Like, I think Chev gets the most unnecessary hate for being like mm-hmm. – complaining i'm like this guy is literally just voicing his displeasure with how he gets rewarded for being one of the better and more skilled people it's literally like me making a pizza perfectly put the right amount of cheese the right amount of sauce i put in the oven at the right temperature for the right amount of time and then when it's done the pizza just literally burns folds and falls in the garbage 
That's a great, how it that's works. a great analogy. It really and is. That doesn't though. happen. And that's yeah. why I like my job because I do it right and it comes out right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it's people have to realize too, content creators and, you know, everyone defines content creator differently. I make a podcast. I consider myself a content creator, but like. Put we, something out that you're a content creator. That's all there is. And ge- yeah, like to- generally speaking, though, we play the game more than everybody else. That doesn't make us better people. It doesn't make us, you know. Uh, more entitled to our opinions. But if there's any such thing as an authority on something, it's probably the people who experience it most. And someone like Chev, who not only plays it the most, but is incredible at the game when it's working, I think his opinion matters. Like I think, and you know, it's not, you could be, um, I don't want to say Kevin G.O.D. is bad at the game. He's clearly not, but he's not a top 50 player. But, but there's like, even when he complains, that people it means game on. He, exactly. he is an entertaining guy who happens to be good. Chev yes. is a top player who went into content creation, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And like, he's also one of my closer friends in the community with this kind of stuff too. And like, I hate seeing the hate he gets because that guy puts so much work into what he does. And like, mm-hmm. if you've never played a game on legend, do not tell someone how to feel when they have to, when they have about the same amount of time to react to a pitch as a major leaguer does. That squares up, and it's not like it gets caught by someone on a line drive. It, it, it's a pop up, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. or it's like and the way it's, the game uh, plays. Sometimes the day, yes. You, Depending on the day, it's crazy. You don't even recognize that stuff. So it's like stop telling that guy to complain when you don't understand the situation. And players get. I think part of the problem with the PCI feedback not making any sense, especially on those pop ups, you think that should at least be fly balls to the outfield. Hitters this year, especially more than ever before get locked into swing animations that fundamentally impact the way the ball is hit off the barrel. Like Mookie Betts gets this a ton. I think Mookie's one of the best cards in the game. He's probably never leaving my lineup. When that guy squares it up, it's an absolute missile. But on pitches outside, he sometimes gets that little like stretch to the outside part of the plate animation. And no matter how you hit it, he flails it and like, rolls it over. Exactly. And but see how it's not, just kind of like a thing problem. that you're just like, it's a thought in your head. It was a thought in my head. It literally happened today. I, I recorded, I streamed it today and then I edited it and then I put it up. And like, even when it happened, I'm like, damn it. He always rolls over that slider. And then mm-hmm. when I was editing it, I was like, damn it. He always rolls over that slider. And then yeah. as soon as you brought it up, I'm like, he rolled over that one slider. But if you throw it inside, it's torched. It's the yeah. opposite for Soriano. It's or you almost have to be late on it to hit it with authority. It's the only way. More it's, or less. And that's why I hate yeah. the way that the the feedback seems to change, the way the timing windows change on the time of day. Because here's another thing that infuriates me. When you look at swing feedback mm-hmm. and you post like a good time swing that goes nowhere, they're like, well, it was on the late side of good. I'm like, but it's still good. Like, like I'm going to slap you upside it's the head. Still if you good. go early, you can hit it 450 feet. Yeah. If you go late, it'll bounce just inside fair territory, then into the stands for a ground rule double. So don't tell me if it says good, but on the late side, it shouldn't be hit. I'm like, shut up. I'll slap your whole family. Yeah. I That's because hear that. the swing feedback uh, bar, I guess we'll call it, was it's good, just late, or I guess it depends on the side you're on, but it's good and then just early slash just late. And then very early, very late. I hit a I, ball today with Vladimir Guerrero in that Bob Feller game. Vladimir Guerrero senior. High slider, upper inside quadrant of the zone. Turned on it. PCI couldn't have been any better. I was just early. Just early can be foul. I get it. It probably shouldn't always be, but it can be. 
this ball was almost behind him as a foul ball. I'm like, sir, that's not just early. I perfectly squared the ball up. That should be like on the foul line. Like it should be that close where we need a call from the umpire. Like the, the system doesn't make sense and it's not consistent. More than ever, it feels like when you're swinging late on inside pitches, you're still pulling them. I had it happen two times today. They weren't hits, or I think only one one of them like fluked a hit, but I'm like, I, I don't get this. Yeah, and like the that's baseball crowd, trust me, I hear you. I played baseball my whole life. I played club well, baseball like They in don't college. even know what baseball is. They don't know what physics are because they don't even like exit velo. I'm like, that's, yeah. that's a huge proponent of baseball. But like Ted, like while we're there, people complain about how launch angle is ruining baseball. Ted Williams is the launch angle creator. He is the originator behind launch angle. If I hit under the ball, it'll go somewhere, or at least like slightly under the ball. You know, he did happen to face guys that threw eighty miles an hour and saw them three times a week. Yeah, <laughs> not taking credit from him, but that's mm-hmm. how it goes. And like, like that's baseball. You're right. Sometimes there will be late hits. Sometimes little dinky balls will bleed over the first base. Sometimes it'll take a weird bounce. It'll hit a base. It'll hit a pitcher in the shin, but like. It doesn't pitchers, happen two plays in a row, three plays in a row. Yeah. Pitchers don't feel 95% of comebackers. They just don't. Pitchers don't react quick enough. It's not to say they're not good athletes or fielders. It's just that when a ball is rocketed off the bat at even 90 miles an hour, you have no time to react. The fact that they even get a glove on it is miraculous. And it's caught at least 95% of the time in this video game. Like, that's not baseball. That does not make sense. And there's a lot of other things. And I know I'm nitpicking, but I like ranting about this game and you listen to me do it. So, God damn it, keep listening. I'm going to bring up one thing from Quash, who always brings it home. And I'm so on board with it. The shifts in the game are ridiculous. Players absolutely so stupid. Babe Ruth was born before there was even a shift. Exactly. There shouldn't be a shift. The first person I can remember who was really shifted, David Ortiz. That's the first person I can remember who was shifted. Anybody before him, they should not get a shift. Absolutely not. Like Joey Gallo has a shift. Give him a shift. Mm -hmm. Or it would be too. Baseball games already take long enough. A decent time ranked seasons game where both of you score a couple of runs takes about 40, 45 minutes. Even like, like, like now that I've really got it hammered down because I'm doing recordings, almost every video is like 47 minutes because I talk for a few minutes, then I play a game, then I talk for a few minutes. It's almost yep. always about 45 minutes. Yep. I, no one wants to spend any more time figuring out a shift so they have auto shifts. But let some kind of preset menu come up. Just the same way when you're playing Road to the Show, if you've ever played Road to the Show, when you come up, it'll be like the, the manager's telling you to do this. Or when you're in the outfield, they're saying, like, move in, move out. Why don't you just give them the same option in Diamond Dynasty? Seabrev mm-hmm. is, like, one of the greatest minds in this community when it comes to playing the game. Yes. There's so many good creators. There's so many good players that go, hey, do this. It'll help you do better. Like, I've watched so many videos of so many top players that have helped me attack my own approach in the game, but his mental breakdown of stuff is just next level. And when he has that kind of stuff, I'm like, this guy's obviously going to be more mindful of these shifts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking to go, okay, I'm going to move my center fielder a little more to the right for this guy. Cause he tends to have a better timing window on late pitches. I'm like, I don't think of that, but these guys do. They yeah. need something. If they want the guys to focus on the shifts and stuff like that, make it a little more realistic because even lower level guys tend to, I feel like the, 
that I'm not saying poorly skilled because most of these guys were like me. They didn't even know how deep this game goes in terms of like the knowledge and the IQ of Diamond Dynasty. They tend to favor more real baseball when you get a bloop your way, when you get like these bad animations, when you bunt cheese, that's just baseball. I'm like, mm-hmm. they understand more than anything that you should have some kind of option to set up a shift. Yes. Make Absolutely. it an option when you have a guy with a severe shift. Do you want a shift? Do you want to, mm-hmm. or when you bring up Lou Brock and he's hitting 415, you know that guy's not swinging every time. Yeah. He's either contact swinging or he's bunting every time. Do you want to bring the third baseman in? Mm-hmm. I don't want to press down and then press down four times for a third baseman to cover the drag. Just put up uh, an option to shift for two or three seconds before I throw a pitch. Press one button, they'll move in the third baseman or they'll move in the first baseman. In real time. Yeah, see, my I've been thinking about this for a while, and my idea for a solution is in the pregame menu, you add another menu. Just like 2K. You have 60 seconds. Here's your opponent's batting lineup. Set every shift individually that you'd like. You can turn it off mid-game. During certain situations, like, oh, shit, I need to bring the corners in. He might bunt. You could go to the menu and do that. But add one more strategic menu where it's like, you're the manager. How do you want to attack this lineup? That, in theory, solves your problems. Like, if I want to shift Joey Gallo, I shift Joey Gallo. Mookie Betts, who is more of a, quote-unquote, pure hitter, I'll leave my, my fielder straight up. I won't touch that's, that's, like, right on with it. It's like 2K. At least the last time I played 2K a couple of years ago, when you're loading up, you can play man-to-man on that guy. You can play zone on that guy. Mm-hmm. Or you can switch, maybe put the small forward on the shooting guard and swap them, vice versa, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. An option like that would be very helpful. I will say they've been very good with quality of life improvements the last couple of years, so I feel yeah. like – that could be one of the next things coming up, along with adding a PCI to place a bunt. Yes. If you swing, you got to put a PCI. You have to follow the ball. Bunting is either too hard or too easy, depending on if you're good at it or not. And exactly. The only times I ever try to bunt, I end up popping right back at the first baseman to step on the bag for a double play. Mm-hmm. And I cannot drag bunt. Uh, it's funny because that was my only actual real baseball tool when I was playing the game in real life was I was a, the best drag bunter on the team. Every time I drag, steal, steal, and I'd score. Like that's the way I played, which I understand is incredibly toxic in a video game. That's why I don't do that. But I also just, I cannot drag bunt in this video game. I cannot do it. And then there's some people who will go nine straight batters on an all speed team, drag bunt safely every time. And I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. And you know, going back to speed too, stealing is broken and I don't know how to fix it, but like Trey Turner with his 97 speed or 97 uh, stealing attribute, the man gets the worst jumps I've ever seen. And I don't understand it. Maybe I'm just bad at it, but I don't get the way it, it works. My opponent gets all the steals and I get none. Exactly. There, there's, if when there's I, like when I try quota, to automatically yeah. time it, I'm always off. The jump is bad. It's not right aligned with the, with the uh, trigger when I try to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and if I take a lead, stole, I'm picked off. I'm automatically picked off. If I take a lead, that's part of the problem too. Someone stole with like 45 stealing off Adley Rutschman, and I'm like, it <laughs> makes no sense. <laughs> and like, that's, I have, but that's baseball. On, so it lets me pick the part on the meter to make the throw. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when you hit the perfect part in the green, he throws it harder, he throws it more accurate. So I'm like, why is that guy still on second base? And the other thing that happens when people try to steal against me is my throw meter just doesn't appear. Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. And I swear I'm reacting the same every time I see someone stealing. So I don't, I don't understand. I don't think it's my fault. It could be, but I don't think so. Yeah. It's just the game is, uh, you know, we love it because it's baseball and we're pure baseball fans, but it's also incredibly frustrating. Like I went to TwitchCon one year and I actually got to meet some of the guys that work for SDS. I met a bunch of the uh, 
the streamers, the bigger guys, whatever. And I met Ramon and which I want to start with this. All the people that make like disgusting comments about like the devs and stuff like that. Ramon Russell is six foot six. He'll kick your ass. <laughs> not a single one of these people, kid or not, would say anything to this man's face. He is six foot six. This guy works out. I'm like, just because when I, when I shook his hand, I'm like, bro, <laughs> if people saw how tall you were, they would shut up instantly. Yeah. He like, we had a laugh about it. And I was it's, like, by the way, thank you for the pizza bat skins. Also, yeah. as an aside, Ramon, like, he is like a nice guy. Like he does a lot. Like the, the MLB, the show devs, you can critique them for actually their development skills, but they listen to this community and Ramon listens more than you think. We literally have a scene in my Twitch streams where before something important's about to happen, we go to the SDS church and we pray to Pope Ramon. Like Ramon is a good dude. Stop giving him shit, but continue your story. I'm sorry. What's another thing? Because that is his personal Twitter account. Yeah. You're not getting anything out of that. When when they scream at like the the tweets that are putting out content updates, I'm like that those guys don't code the game either. So like you're yelling at them, you get nothing out of that. It's just falling on deaf ears, guys. Spam the bug report. And when you feel like they don't listen, like I've suggested in years past with pack odds and stuff, I'm like, stop buying packs, stop buying the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, pack odds. Listen. At this point in the year's cycle, standard packs really should hardly even exist anymore. I know everybody picks up the game at different times, so they have to still still be there. But, like, we know what packs are, guys. Oh, yeah. Well, we, well, we know you're more speaking year. of, like, years past when it was – I think 17 was the last year of god-awful pack odds. 18 was the first year Trout wasn't crazy expensive all year. Like, like he's still expensive, don't get me wrong, but – when 500,000 stubs was the cap, he was always at that. Mm-hmm. In 18, I think he dropped to like 200,000 stubs opening night because so many people ripped packs and pulled them. Yep. Then like 19, 20, 21, like look how cheap he is now because so many people pull him and they've made it so much easier to get him in uh, pulling choice packs and stuff like that. The 90 Whatever. plus, the, the, the guaranteed diamond. The, yeah, there's – I mean – my buddy pulled him in a silver player pack the other day. That that's an outlier, but like it happens. Like it, that's disgusting. I've never pulled a diamond out of dude, a silver he, pack. He pulled Mike Trout out of a silver pack, and I shit you not, because I got the notification on my phone three minutes later. He pulled him out of a standard. He got two trouts in three minutes. However, they were both 110k, so they weren't expensive. You're like good. You don't deserve all those stuff. Exactly. You don't deserve 600,000 free stubs, you lucky bastard. Because what I would do is I would flip the market until I could buy him. I would usually buy him opening night by flipping like a. I bought him like, the first week. I saved all my stubs. I didn't spend a dime. Flip like a maniac, get him. And then I would buy a second one just purely for a flip because he always gets more expensive as time goes on because people, that's when stubs come into the game and inflate the market, whether you're doing programs, missions, whatever you want to do. Because as you've noticed, like as the year goes through, it's so much easier to make stubs. The game gives you so many more stubs. The market tends to saturate a little bit and go up a little bit. And then there's a stub up or sale. Down, depending and... on they're doing flash sales and stuff. Yeah. But like knowing, like one of the most guaranteed things that Trout flies up until we start getting more competitive outfielders because he always gets more and more expensive. I used to buy him around 300 the first week and like a couple of weeks later, you sell him for 500. Yeah. Just like a guaranteed, like solid flip to sit on for that. Don't buy packs, guys. During flash sales, sometimes if it's the right situation. I bought the headliner bundle, and literally I made a TikTok of this. I don't TikTok a lot because I don't have the mind for the creativeness of TikTok, but I TikTok this. I bought the headliner bundle, 
where it guarantees you one headliner card. We went to church with Ramon. We prayed to Ramon. I said, Ramon, I don't care about a single other thing in this world. This is Christian Yelich, and it has to be. I opened the pack, Christian Yelich. Ramon was listening to my prayers. That's the only time a flash sale has ever worked for me in my entire life. That's the thing. I never buy the packs from the flash sale. When I see like a headliner is available, I find like the most expensive headliner and I buy into that because some people are going to mm-hmm. pull them and the price will drop. Or if it's like, the dips. The, yeah. like when they had the, what pack was it with Lou Brock? Field of Dreams, maybe? He's yes. like one of the low tiers. Yes. I have, I don't know if you can see it here. I'm on the app. I have 160 of this man right wow, now. Wow, I'm just waiting for it to climb up. I love I it. I bought them at 500, at 5,000 stubs each. I didn't spend more than 5,010 stubs. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go up sitting to at probably eight or nine-ish, most likely. His buy now is 5,995 right now. It's fluctuated a little bit. It went up to like 62 before, 63. So, and I think we're I getting another couple, field. Of, bought some back, sold yeah. a couple, bought some back. But like eventually, when people stop buying those packs, they're not as available. Once it hits even like 65, 7,000, that's a clean 1,500 off every single card. Yeah. I think we're getting another Field of Dreams pack tomorrow in the daily moments if you've kept up with them. So it might yeah. even dip all the way down to quick sell again. So exactly. And invest. then like buy more, get in, get in more on it or sell off. Make a couple of stubs off each one where it is right now because even at 5,900 subs, you're still making a couple hundred. It's a guaranteed profit. Just get on that. And then once people can't get the free packs anymore at the start of the new month, that will go up a little bit. Go and get it then. Because even then, I'm sitting at 1.4 million right now. I have other stuff I'm tied into anyway, but. Yeah, I, I'm hovering right around a million right now, and I have investments out the yin yang. All live series, because I, I this year is the first time I've really started investing in the roster updates. But, like, I have 340 Frankie Montas because that man's going to go gold to the moon. I've got, like, 100 Damn. Goldschmidts. I've got Tyler O'Neill's. I mean, basically make the whole Cardinals starting lineup diamond, and I'll be the richest man in this game. So I've been abusing that uh, the silver to gold exchange. Yep. So just by doing that, I had, like, 200, 300 packs. And out of that, I pulled, like, 10 Tyler O'Neill. So I'm like, I spent 500 stubs on each card that turned into a gold. And 10 of those are Tyler O'Neill. So 500, I spent 5,000 stubs on 10 Tyler O'Neills. That's about to go die. Instant profit. The easiest profit you can make. Um, it, it's, it's wild that also now the app allows you to be so quick and instant with making your investments that if you're smart, man, you're be- you'll never have to spend. I mean, you don't have to spend a dime on this game anyway, but you'll literally never have to spend a dime on this game if you're just smart with your investments. You really don't, especially next year. I want it, especially for content purposes. I want to do a no money spent squad and like grind from the bottom up just because it's more likely to get people to watch. Like I spent quite a bit just to get like live series done out of the way the first couple of weeks. And that was cool. It was fun. You just like beating the piss out of the ball with Soriano in the 500s and stuff. Yeah. But like, it's also cool to like have a bunch of nobodies like showing up and whooping ass as well. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. I like that. Um, all right, guys, we're going to take a quick break, talk some ads, then we're going to come back and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about balancing work and content creation because not all of us are blessed enough to be able to do this full time. Uh, but we're also, I mean, quick little teaser here. Last night's Yankee game was the most exciting Yankee game I've watched in a long ass time. And you bet your ass we're going to praise Giancarlo Stanton up and down in about five minutes. So just hang on for that. And if you're not a Giancarlo Stanton fan, I also need you to stay and listen because you're wrong. Um, but first, we're going to get to the ads. Um, 
as always, it's Thrive Fantasy. We're, we're super excited to work with Thrive Fantasy. Um, it's a daily fantasy sports app that's based around player props. It's eliminated the need to do countless hours of research like other DFS apps because it only asks you about the top tier athletes in a respective sport. To play MLB games on Thrive Fantasy, you can play NFL, NBA, esports. There's a hundred different things you can play. Soccer, which I don't follow. Um, but you just choose five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on how likely it is to occur. More points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points possible and you could win a share of the prize pool. Uh, if you're looking to play games and make some money this season, next season, or in seasons in the future, use promo code the show the pod, promo code the show the pod when you sign up for Thrive Fantasy and you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Google Play Store or by going online to thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Next, it's our friends at Dugout Creative. And this has become a running bit on the channel. I show you the ad read and I throw it away. Just buy Dugout Creative stuff, please. The shirts are super comfortable. You can support all of your favorite content creators or a lot of your favorite content creators. They're not all there necessarily. Uh, you can buy merch for your favorite team cities that they live in. You know, you buy New York stuff, uh, Baltimore stuff, pick your city stuff. Um, super comfy. If you use KDJTV at checkout, you get 15% off dugoutcreative.com. KDJTV, please do it. Uh, thank you for doing it. Finally, Rogue Energy. So people who have been in my streams lately have been seeing me chugging this stuff. Rogue Hydration. So there is no caffeine in it, but it gives you all the focus elements that you'd want from like a gaming energy drink. And this is a true story. I matched up with someone in BR. This was not during my 12-0 and 0 run, separate game, separate run. The man was 56 and 0. That's not an exaggeration. His record was 56 and 0. That means he's never lost in ranked. I made him rage quit after one inning because I hit eight home runs in the first inning and every single ball I touched was a nuclear missile. And I was chugging this stuff while doing it. And I can swear to you this is why it happened. So Rogue Energy is specifically designed for gamers. It could be a pre-workout, it could be a coffee or energy drink replacement. Um, it's just in my opinion, it is the best gaming drink on the planet. And the best part, look at the bottom here, it completely dissolves. There's no chalky shit at the bottom, completely dissolves in water, tastes great. Um, just, just buy it. You go to rogueenergy.com, KDJTV for 10% off your entire order. I promise you, if you want to be locked in and feel like you've never been locked in like that before, Rogue Energy. Um, that also, none of this was written on this piece of paper. I kind of just went ad lib there. Um, but hey, we did it. Um, finally merch uh pinned in my twitter bio or profile uh, it'll be in the comment section below if you want to support the show you want to support me i appreciate it we have the show the podcast shirts mugs stickers uh i actually made a new design the other day for uh pinpoint god i don't know kind of fun i'm messing around with designing myself i'm not the best designer yet but we're getting there you can't learn unless you try it so if you want to support me my link is uh available on twitter and in the youtube description Give it a look. You don't have to buy anything, but if you do, tag me in it, and uh, I'll thank you. So we're back, and we're going to touch quickly on the balance of life. Everyone has to balance their own lives. It's not just content creation that you're balancing. It's relationships. It's family. It's sleeping sometimes. You know, it's it's life is a balance, and Mike is a very busy guy. Like he said, works in a restaurant, um, which – hours are never convenient in a restaurant. I used to work at a pizzeria, like even in high school. And I'm not going to pretend that was my career, but like I was there all the time. 
and I didn't like it because I didn't get to see my friends. Um, but, you know, and then there's there's content creation, which means so much now. It's Twitch, it's YouTube, it's TikTok, and those are all separate things that you have to account for. How do you do it? I know that's a pretty dumb question, but how do you do it? I just do... I think I do a decent amount of balancing it, but it's ultimately just, I do everything that I want to do. I'm at the point in my life. I don't do things I don't want to do anymore. Like when you're a kid, you don't want to eat broccoli. You don't want to like go make your bed, whatever. Like when you're an adult, you can do whatever you want. And too many people kind of cling to like what other people want me to do. It's like, you're not happy unless you do things you enjoy doing. I don't have, if I factor in friendships, relationships, I consider that things I want to do and invest in. So that way I feel like I have no free time, but ultimately I'm always doing what I want to do. Yeah. I like working because that gives me worthiness for 40, 50 hours a week, sometimes 60. There's things that always have to be done when I'm at work too. The multitasking is ridiculous. There's so many things to keep an eye on. Um, I like creating content in my free time because I like playing the game and I get to make something out of this. Mm -hmm. I make my Twitch streams into YouTube videos. And when the YouTube videos are chopped up, I turn those into my TikToks. So almost everything has a purpose in my life because it leads to something else. It's not like I treat everything and everyone as a commodity, but I maximize everything that I can. Like literally being a pizza guy is a part of my, my Twitch brand and is now is. part of a merchandise an LLC I created literally because which, I make pizza. Which I wanted to talk to you about. So this is probably as good a time as any. While we're on this subject, tell me about Gold Pizza Company. Tell us, tell the people about Gold Pizza Company. I should have worn something. I'm, I'm usually <laughs> pretty good at admitting I'm a sellout. I didn't really do much today. That's but, okay. Um, we're, we're celebrating the Yankees. It's fine. Yeah. Um, one of my first emotes on Twitch was like me swinging a pizza bat. But then like another one, like the tier three was a gold slice of pizza. And for a small streamer, I had a decent amount of tier three subs because they wanted the gold slice. And like, I want to say six months or a year into it, someone was like, you should put that on a shirt. Like, do you have any like merchandise? I'm like, no, I don't. But I'm like, that's a great idea. So I had her like blow it up a little bit, like better quality mm -hmm. and like put it on a shirt. We sold it a bunch and it was cool. But like the quality on Teespring, I'm not knocking anyone who has Teespring merch. That's, that's what, what I, I use. It, it's a good with, introductory to merch. Yeah. With, a, with how intricate that particular emote like drawing is, it does not, transfer very well onto bigger things mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And their own quality control was rough. My friend ordered three sweatshirts. Each one had a different size pizza slice and like a different part of the, like, it's supposed to be up here. Like one of them was like there. One of them was like there. The other one was there, but like three times the size it was supposed to be. They had, they ended up sending like brand new ones to them. Although they're, more expensive hoodie is like the most comfy thing you could ever wear. <laughs> Ultimately, it was very limited in things I wanted to sell too. Yeah. Where like Kyle has awesome merch that works through Teespring. Kevin has great merch through Teespring. I know McGunsky and I think Goobs have also run their merch through Teespring. And like those came out perfectly. But my specific logos and things, especially with the more intricate Slizilla thing I tried to have my friend drop, that did not transfer well at all either. It's just... The colors they use, I don't know what it was, but nothing really matched. We tried it on shirts and hoodies. Nothing really came through smooth. Um, I had a friend who works for John Boy Media. He runs some of their socials and stuff like that. I was like, where do you guys get your merchandise like printed on? Because I assume you guys, with how crazy your schedule is and how your company is literally turning into a media empire overnight, mm -hmm. like what site do you guys run through? What warehouse do you run through? So I've been using Printful for that stuff. It's been such a smoother, better experience 
it lets you charge different pricing based on shipping with this one because some things cost more than others. It's more intricate. It helps me track orders better because I like sometimes I notice the warehouse hasn't gone out yet. So I can go look into why didn't that happen mm-hmm. as opposed to sending out an email and getting three days later, hey, why this thing hasn't been sent out yet when I could have already resolved it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it, it's just cool because my job became a part of my Twitch brand, which then mm-hmm. turned into merchandise that a decent amount of people have bought. And now I have people that I was able to bring on as like influencers, as partners that get a cut yep. of the sale if they use their code. Yep. And that's just, I mean, that's expanding the brand. And that's like, if you're a content creator or you want to get into content creation, or, you know, even if you don't think you have a, a viewership, a following, you know, everyone kind of defines that differently. But like, I made merch like six months into having this podcast, not even knowing how many people listen. I was like, it's free for me to make merch. If people like the show, they can purchase it. Doesn't cost me a single dime. It doesn't impact my life. I make it, I leave it up there. I pay attention to it. Of course, it's not like a neglectful thing, but it's like, give people the option. If it, if it doesn't hurt you to do it, let it exist. And that's how you build your brand because people wear the shirt, people wear it out in public. They're like, Oh, what's that? Oh, it's a podcast. I listen to, Oh, it's a Twitch streamer. I like, you gotta get butts in seats. And to do that, you gotta kind of, you know, you gotta push a little bit. Yeah. It is funny, especially how like if it's free. Get smaller with that stuff because more and more people start to interact with that kind of stuff, and it's much cooler to be into video games now than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Very like, much so. Like ten years ago, twenty years ago, you never would have thought of someone who was good at a video game also being like a fitness influencer mm-hmm. or showing the in-home gym they've built to focus on their health more and like therefore lead their viewers to a healthier lifestyle as well. Yeah, it's it's crazy that, you know, gaming is just now, it's entertainment. And it was always personal or individual entertainment. But now it is like widespread entertainment for the masses. And it you don't have to be good at the game. Does it help if you're good at the game? Does it help if you're Chev, if you're Ninja, if you're whoever? Sure, people want to watch good gameplay. But like, I have 10-ish people in my streams. I'm not the best. I grind for World Series, like grind for it. I just try to be entertaining. You, you only have to be yourself and be a little fun. And like you can impact people with whatever message you want to spread. Hopefully it's a positive one, but like you just got to be you. I think Pretty that's much. really cool. Everyone um, has their own identity to own. And even if they have a fake persona that works and sells, I'm like, what? let people do what they want to do. People are like, this guy puts on a persona for YouTube. I'm like, your favorite actor, your favorite actor yeah. can do that shit for his living in real life. Exactly. Let, let him be what he wants to be. He doesn't have, you don't know who he is personally anyway. It, it is none of your business what, what he is mm-hmm. off of the camera. Like friend of the show, Ashley Sanders. We shouted out before. We're shouting her out again. Her streams are the bastion of positivity. There is not a more positive, welcoming person in this community than Ashley. She will also let you know if you're off your rocker and like, hey, check yourself before you come in here again, because like, I don't accept that in my stream. She is like, I mean, it sounds so corny and I almost hate saying it, but like she's shining a light, like she's being a positive impact on her community. And it's great to see. That's how everybody should be. Um, it was awesome to see her kind of come in and get picked up so fast. Yes. You partner so fast and build like such a big positive community. Because like when I'll see people talking about on the Facebook group or on Reddit and like people will be like, I like this person. I like this person. But like when it's her, there's never a bad thing to say about her. Not a single thing. 
unless they were better that she got put into that content creator challenge thing, which like, sorry, this is not a top player invitational. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think people were more upset because they're like, who is this person? Like, I've never heard of her before. And they were just upset. Like, Oh, she can do it. Why can't I? Well, it's because she's a nice person. That's why she can do it. That's why you're not getting the opportunities because you're not a nice person. Everyone has a calling card. And if you don't, then you got to work on one. You can't get mad at all the people having platforms elsewhere that lead into other things. Like it's the same thing as people going, well, look at this TikToker only getting popular because of this or that. I'm like, then go do it. You're saying they only have it for that one basic reason. So go do it. And if you think you can do it like them, then, Hey, you should be just as successful, right? Like you gotta, you know, everyone has a hustle. Everyone has a hustle and you gotta, you gotta respect the hustle. Uh, You say calling card and we're going to use this as a really strange segue into the next topic of discussion. Uh, John Carlos Stanton's calling calling card is hitting absolute effing nukes over the green monster. And last night, me and my girlfriend were sitting on the couch. She was asleep. She just had a very long day, three long days in a row, uh, in a row of work. She was sleeping. We were watching. Well, I was watching the Yankee game. I started laughing hysterically when Stanton hit the ball over the fence. Laughing, like maniacally, because I just couldn't believe he did it again. And she woke up. She's like, what is so funny? I'm like, nothing. The Yankee game. He, two nights in a row, murdered baseballs and i hope boston is still crying about it unbelievable i think think every home run he hit was the final score like the red sox didn't score afterwards so he like literally stuck a knife in their back every single time he hit a home run the nail in the coffin and and what's even more annoying about it (coughs) is all the yankee fans that are loving him we need to say it here because my first twitter account is no longer with us (laughs) i've been on this train since the day we traded for him Everyone's like, strike out this, injury that, yoga this, clutch that. Shut up. This man's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And it's like people complain about, oh, he strikes out too much for his contract. You're not paying it. You shouldn't give a shit about the contract. You're not paying it. It's not your money. It never was your money. It never will be your money. Your tickets don't pay for it. Guess what? If the Yankees wanted their payroll to be double what it is now, all Steinbrenner has to say is, okay. There's limitless baseball, uh, limitless money, rather, sorry, with some of these owners, like as much as they want, like the smallest market team on the planet could be the richest tomorrow if they wanted to. The money doesn't matter. I don't think he owns the team anymore, but uh, the owner of the Royals was like the founder of Walmart, like the CEO yeah. of Walmart. I'm like Literally the richest human being in baseball, probably. I don't care about where your team plays. If you own a baseball team, you can literally sign any player in baseball. You can afford any player on your team. Mm-hmm. Stop asking for a hometown discount when you at, when you have the local taxpayers fund your stadium. You charge them twenty dollars to park a mile away. You charge them fifty to park next next door. Fifteen dollars a beer, twenty dollars a burger, thirty dollars for a bucket of chicken, and then say sorry, we couldn't afford that one guy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make sense. Like, I understand, sure, COVID shutdown impacted franchises. Absolutely. There was a lot of money lost. I will not even pretend to know what the figures are because it's probably tens, maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars. It's a figure I can never wrap my head around because I'll never see it myself. But, like, you can't tell me these owners are poor. If they wanted to pay Stanton triple what he's making, they would. Like, they can't. Uh, but yes, the man is a destroyer of baseballs. Let's all also remind ourselves they traded Starlin Castro and a bag of donuts for him. Like the man is an Adonis. He is a Greek God. 
I, so I, people know this, if you've listened, if you're a new listener, I'm going to tell you, I used to um, cover high school sports on Long Island. That was my job. During the summers, I would cover Yankees and Mets games. I was allowed to be in the press box, in the locker room, write stories for the next morning's paper. Dream job of my life. I achieved my lifelong dream at 23 years old. It's the coolest thing in the world. I've stood next to Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton looks like he was chiseled from marble. The man, sure. Is he a little brittle? Maybe. How are we to say that? The man is a human you couldn't even comprehend being put together. He is so good at baseball. Stop booing the man. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand. They, they boo Stanton every time he strikes out. DG LeMahieu hits into three double plays a week. We don't hear a word. And now, Did you see the DJ LeMahieu stat the other day? DJ LeMahieu has like the sixth or seventh highest average exit velocity in baseball, but he's only hitting 268. You know why? Because he doesn't get under the ball. If he got under the ball, he'd have 50 home runs this season. It, Exit view and launch angle, guys. It's that simple. And while we're on the narrative of like the Yankees this year, we keep hearing they need pitching, they need pitching, they need pitching. The best we ERA up, in the American League. We woke up to the Yankees having the best ERA in the American League. The issue was hitting. And the issue was hitting because three or four of our best hitters have regressed because of juiced balls. Mm-hmm. Geo had a career year. DJ had a career year. Glaber had a career year. They took the juice out of the baseballs. A lot yep. of guys struggled, but having three of those guys in the lineup, we thought the year of Stanton and Judge playing 140 games was going to be 110 wins. Instead, we we're fighting just for a wild card game. Yeah. And like, you know, it, it hurts that, the offense. Yeah. It hurts that Luke Voigt was injured a lot of this year. And then Rizzo That's comes nothing. in. And don't get me wrong, I love Rizzo, but like, let's find more ways to get Luke back in the lineup. Like, we got to be a little creative here. That's another thing. We, I, I love the man. We are winning games in spite of Aaron Boone. I, yeah. See, I, I, I'm usually not on the camp of or in the camp of. Oh, it's the manager's fault because I think managers, generally speaking, have such little impact on the game of baseball as far as how it's played. It's up to the players to execute. But goddamn, putting Joely Rodriguez in the game last night when Clay Holmes just struck out the side on some of the filthiest stuff I've ever seen. On Eleven pitches. And well, 11, here's the thing. So he. He took out Clay Holmes because a lefty was coming up. It was Travis Shaw. Let's not play pretend here. Travis Shaw is not Babe Ruth. If it was Kyle Schwarber coming up, I'd be like, okay, let's put a lefty in the game. But it's Travis Shaw. Clay Holmes can get him out. I promise you. And if he throws 25 pitches tonight, it's a day off on Monday. He'll be fine for the next set of games. Like it was such a bonehead move. And then Rodriguez ends up, you know, he doesn't blow the game because they come back to win. But he, he was terrible. He was fucking awful. The best way to put it into words, he manages the team like they have a 10-game lead in the division. Yeah, they don't. The, they, they just give <laughs> Judge a day off here. They give we'll have Brett Gardner uh, lead off a today. day off here. Yeah. Like, these guys come off the DL. They hit three home runs in four games. They get a day off. Ah, they've been playing a lot. Like, bro, they just missed two weeks. What are you doing and why did we like four years old i am on team glaber i love glaber torres i don't care that he's a dog shit fielder but why did it take so long for them to realize wow he shouldn't be playing shortstop anymore do we not talk to the kid like i don't get it he was a week away from the sunny gray situation yeah he was he was almost you know he should not be on the field at that point in time you need a sport therapist to help you get through this stuff. Mental baseball is a mental of a sport as anything else. You know when you are in someone's head. He was booting two plays a game at one point. I'm like, you are setting him up to fail. And once again, back to Boone. 
it was it has been confirmed by the team and by Boone by Cashman. The Yankees are heavy on analytics. Mm-hmm. They built their roster around analytics, which has won baseball championships many, many years in a row. Although the Nationals tried not to build through analytics, all of their superstar performers in the playoffs and all that year in 2019 yes. were analytic gods. Yes. So the Yankees built an analytic team, and they give Aaron Boone the free will to make the lineup. And he goes right against everything the team was built to be. <laughs> exactly. Luke Voigt is an analytic dream. If you look at his numbers, you look at his batting average, you look at his on-base percentage, you look at his slugging percentage, you look at his OPS, you look at his park-adjusted OPS, you look at his weighted runs created, which is one of the most, like, best singular numbers to look at when you evaluate a hitter. He is literally the same hitter as Pete Alonso. Yeah. He just is much more injury-prone, doesn't play as often. He's also not as good defensively as... Anthony Rizzo. I don't know what takes so much for this man who spent his entire life in baseball. I think he's a third generation baseball head to understand to DH Luke Voigt to put Anthony Rizzo at first base. And if you, now that we have Giancarlo Stanton able to play the outfield, stop playing Brett Gardner. left. You put Gallo in center. You put judge in right. The corpse of Brett Gardner has been overperforming yeah. for two months. I love Brett Gardner. He's one of my favorite Yankees. He should not be playing Every single night. Brett he Gardner should be like contract for yeah. a diminished role. When Hicks went mm-hmm. down, he played more. I understand. They put and do and left. He got hurt. I understand why he played more. He was terrible um, too, though. When Judge had COVID, they put him in the outfield. I understand that. This is the best outfield we've had in a decade. And he's still playing regularly. They gotta stop with this, man. Yeah, there's Gardner. there's something lost with like so so Brett Gardner, like you said. I will forever respect Brett Gardner, forever respect that man. He continually has come back to the Yankees when he probably, if he really wanted to, could have gotten more money from other places because he's comfortable there, because he's won there, because he's, you know, he's a gritty, no bullshit type of guy. He's apparently, apparently loves practical jokes, which I think is hysterical. If you listen to the R2C2 podcast with Ryan Rucco and CC Sabathia, you know that. But like, the man is a bench bat. Not even a bench bat. Screw that. The man is a bench outfielder. The man He's been is... hot for the last month or two also, which is good. Yeah. But it does not mean you put him in over Luke Voigt. Mm-hmm. Because you put him in center, you're, you're messing with Stanton got a DH, mm-hmm. and then you're putting Rizzo. Either you're benching Rizzo or, or Voigt, and that should not be the situation. Yeah. This man led baseball in home runs last year. And trust me, I understand the need for more lefties in the lineup, but like Brett Gardner is not the lefty you need in the lineup. It's like I'd rather just Especially have another right. You have Rizzo and Gallo. Yeah, and like Brett Gardner doesn't even pull the ball that much. Like he wouldn't even be utilized as like I, I don't know. Like uh, Brett Gardner is a leader for the culture of the team. He belongs there. Late inning defensive replacement. You want to put Brett Gardner in left field in the seventh inning to take Stanton out if there's no key at bat coming up? Absolutely. That's his role. I'm about it. That's just like what they do with like Tyler Wade coming in for some defense. Especially last if you night want to pitch run like Stanton in the ninth. Just have a guy a little faster on second base, yeah. scoring on a bloop single. Put him in there and then have him close out left field. He plays pretty well there, even though he's getting up there in age. But he needs yeah. to not be a focal point when the team is at full health. Yeah. He this year, managing has Boone has really hurt himself with managing, excuse me, managing this year. It's been become, you know, health has been a problem with this team for a long time. It comes down to the team not being athletic enough. Analytically, they might be like the perfect collection of players, but athletically, they don't have like those super swift, super young, super like, I don't know, 
I don't mean to say like everybody needs to be Fernando Tatis, but look at how athletic and exciting that man is. The Yankees don't have a single player, anything remotely resembling what Fernando Tatis is. And that hurts them ultimately because they're slow because they can't field. I mean, the outfield, the outfield would feel great if they're doing what we're saying, but like, there's just, they're missing some sort of excitement. And like last night was good because all the power bats came up clutch when they had to, but they're missing something. They're missing a spark and they don't have it. And Boone sure as shit is not providing. It's in 2019 when we broke the record for injuries by like Mm -hmm. by a mile, but I don't think he's the man anymore. And although the regression of geo Glaber and, uh, DJ can be attributed to the juice balls being taken away. The fact that they still haven't come back strong with the lower spin rates on sticky stuff bands, Marcus Thames has to go as well. Yeah. It's all about your philosophy. And if he can't see a 24 year old who was one of the best second baseman in baseball two years ago, it's, it's been a long enough stretch. He was good in the playoffs last year, but the 20, like 2020, 2021, he's been abysmal in regular season play. That is a mm-hmm. long stretch. We're talking 600, 700 at-bats of struggle. Yeah. This guy is supposed to be entering his prime. When he was the best second baseman in baseball, arguably heading into this year, two years ago, to see what he does now, where there is a level of accountability. Mm-hmm. Although you're a player, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that. He's showing up at the park every day. He's not giving up. He's not jogging out everything. This guy is trying his best. That's when you look at the coaching staff. You go, what can this guy do to get this out of this guy? Yep. It's also like, who is we... not pushing the right buttons anymore? And I don't think Marcus Thames is anymore. Yeah. That guy's not supposed to fix Aaron Judge. He's not supposed to fix Dan. He's supposed to fix a young guy like Glaber. He's supposed to fix a guy like DJ. He's mm-hmm. supposed to help a guy like Gio. Yeah, or maybe Geo's a juice ball guy. Then move him. Mm-hmm. I do think one of those guys is getting traded, and I unfortunately think it's going to be either Voit or Torres, which would be the biggest mistakes this team could do. Yeah, hundred percent. And like it's different situations because it's comparing a pitcher to a position player. But did we not learn from the Jabba rules? Let's not mess with these young guys. Let's put them in positions to succeed. Let's not switch it up. You want to give uh, Glaber like a 25-30 game run in the beginning of the season at shortstop to see if he can handle it? Sure. That's testing him. If you test him and he doesn't handle it, it's like, oh, shit. Let's put him back to where he's good at it. Second base. Not only will his fielding improve, he's clearly more comfortable at the plate since they moved him back to second base because there's less, like, mental wear on him. Look at how much better he's playing. I I don't get why we haven't learned from the past. It's almost like the fact that putting Stanton in the outfield gave him that comfortable ability to show up and play again. You're fully engaged in the game. You're fully engaged in what you're good at and what you enjoy doing. And like, yes, I know baseball is a numbers game and analytics are important. If you think they're not important, I'm sorry, you're wrong. But like there is a mental factor and putting players in the correct position to succeed is arguably even more important than anything else. In my opinion. I know it's easy for us to be the armchair managers like the next day, but in real time, I'm like, this guy's going to put the wrong guy in the wrong spot. Yep. And then Joely Rodriguez. Like, and it's not that guy's fault. You put him where he shouldn't have been. You put Andrew Heaney where he shouldn't have been. Oh, let's just – I never want to see Andrew Heaney on a mound again. That's another thing. They set that man up to fail. Yep. They took a guy who was floundering on a fourth-place team, 
and they put him on a team dying for a wild card spot like he's a savior. Like, guys, we got a pitcher. We did it. We acquired a pitcher. He was acquired within 24 hours of Gallo and Rizzo, and they kept and they put this guy in the field of dreams game. They put him against all these other teams. He was getting molly whopped by the Orioles. Yeah, he's not good. I'm sorry. If you're an Andrew like, Heaney fan, I'm sorry. Like, like, if you're like, his mom, like, I'm sorry. I'm an Andrew. I, I, I do like him, but the thing is, that is a situation, and he was having a bad year to begin with. Put that man in AAA and let Matt Blake's philosophy work down there with him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't also throw him into a pennant race. They When they acquired him, they should have gave him some bullpens. Matt Blake goes, do this, this, and this. Send him to AAA. Work out a couple of starts. This guy could have been the ace down the stretch. If we had Matt Blake years ago, the amount of rings we could have won with our pitching issues being fixed, oh, my God. Yeah, the man has been a revelation for the staff. Not Andrew Heaney, everybody else. Um, it's just, you know – and this look, we're complaining like this after one of the best weekends we've had in a very long time. And that is because we, I was talking about this with my friends last night. This is potentially the most bizarre Yankee season we've ever experienced in our lifetimes. I'm going to be 29 in like a month and a half in my 29 years of watching baseball. This is the dumbest season I've ever seen for as high as the highs are. The lows are so embarrassing. And if the lows were even like middle of the road, 500 stretches, this team would be a hundred game winner right now. It's just mind-blowing. Like, John Sterling should do a Yankeeography of just this season, no matter how it ends, because it's so wild. I don't get it. If the Yankees played the Orioles the way the Rays played the Orioles, the Yankees would be in first place right now. Oh, yeah. Losing to those bad teams is so stupid and unacceptable. Like, absolutely unacceptable. The amount of times they won the first two games and dropped the third game when they could have swept. Yeah. Yeah. But listen, this is the biggest week of the season. It could be a three, four-way tie for the wild card at this point. Who knows? But putting the Yankees or, or sweeping the Red Sox, rather, put the Yankees in the best position they could be in at this moment, given what else has happened. So let's celebrate that. Go Yankees. And we have a couple minutes left here. And before I let you go, I do this with all my guests that I have. The Yankees are blessed with cards and MLB the show. Every legend or most legends you could ever want is in the game. Who are some Yankees legends or Yankees players that you're a fan of that are not in the game or have never been in the game, and you'd be like, oh, that would be killer if this legend was in the game? All right, so my favorite player of all time is Don Mattingly. So when they put him in the game last year, I was through the roof. Donnie Barrels. Or 19. <laughs> uh, I think Cooperstown, Kurt, and I bonded over the fact that his favorite team besides the Cubs – was the Yankees, and my favorite team besides the Yankees was the Cubs. Because, like, when I was a kid, Rookie of the Year came out, mm-hmm. and, like, I loved Ryan Sandberg and Mark Grace because, like, those were guys my dad liked to watch, so I watched them. And then his favorite non-Yankee was Don Mattingly, mm-hmm. and those were his favorite players as a Cubs fan. So, like, we always and we both went nuts when Don Mattingly came <laughs> in. His cards have been terribly underwhelming, so I almost want to count him as a guy who hasn't been in the show yet. <laughs> Give me some guy like, with 35 the, home runs, has 50 yeah. power against fucking lefties on a 95 overall yeah. card. The, a guy with who hit 343 one year hasn't had a maxed out contact card yet, really. We need or the eight did. grand slams in a season. Or was it eight home runs in a row, Don? Miller? What, what was his he, milestone he that hit, he had? He hit six grand slams in one season, and then he never hit another one. Yeah, so, like, give me but that like, milestone six, card. 
Six grand slams. Give me that card. That's 125 collection, 120 power. Yeah. Even 115 power. Let me swing with that, man. His swing is so smooth. If you put some power behind that, oh, my God, man. Yeah. I was going lefty-lefty with his 98 card last year like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. His swing yeah. is good. I very so much enjoy him, his swing. Yeah. Give him a good card. Wade Boggs right now has 85 and 80 power on his card. And, and that it plays. In- but it plays. Oh, it plays. But I'm saying you can't give Manley more? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's not fair. Either give him the eight consecutive games with home runs or give him a six grand slam card. Mm-hmm. The milestone series opened up a lot of faults and flaws for pitchers, but for hitters, it's fine. And that's the way to juice your guys up. That's why we have 99 Matt Kemp. We gave him a milestone card. That's the way to do it. I will it. say, I, I almost wish they had throwback moments cards. Ooh, that's cool. I almost wish they had that because my favorite – my second favorite Yankee, which is now going to be Aaron Judge, but before that was Bubba Crosby. Bubba. I remember the summer of Bubba. Nobody remembers that man like I did. That He was our starting center fielder until we signed Johnny Damon. Mm-hmm. Brian Cashman said Bubba Crosby is the starting center fielder, and I was pissed. This man had a grand slam off us in game seven of the ALCS, off Kevin Brown, and I'm like, this mofo is coming here and taking my man's job. He hit that walk-off home run against the Orioles that September – that was the day of my life because I was like, yo, this guy's getting called up triple A majors, triple yeah. A majors, triple A majors. I think he's he here to stay. Mm-hmm. We traded Scott Proctor, I think. Oh, no, we traded Ventura to the Dodgers for Proctor and Bubba. One of his first games makes like three diving catches, hits a home run, steals a base. I'm like, I fucking love this guy. Yeah. I'm like, this, he, he's like, he was literally Gardner with less talent, I guess, because he didn't stay up as long. But he was that gritty dude. He was fast as hell. He made great defensive plays. And then he hit like only four home runs, but they were as clutch as clutch could mm-hmm. be. He hit a home run against the White Sox when they were good. He hit a home run against the Red Sox in the big series. He hit that walk off against the Orioles, which funny enough, the cable in the back of our TV got disconnected right when he hit the home run. And all I heard <laughs> was the audio. And by the time we went back on, he was rounding the bases. And I'm like, I'm that guy's biggest fan. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And someone, when I played MVP baseball, 2005, it was either 06, 07, or 08 in that community. Someone's like, hey, I know you're a big Bubba Crosby fan. I'm at a game right now. I got him the autograph of baseball. I'm going to send it to you. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. That's so cool. And I guess this is the best way to tie up everything. Um, MVP baseball was the best game of all time, but then the next couple of years when they stopped making it, there was a community modding the rosters. They were making faces of players. Mm-hmm. They were making audio of players. So someone actually put me into the game there was a way you can extract the box score and make your own content out of it. It was like oh. ESPN style. Mm-hmm. And people used to post their franchises and stuff like that. So when I came into the Twitch community on MLB the show, I'm watching this guy play and I'm like, I recognize this game this guy's name from somewhere. I said, I know he's streaming on Twitch, but I've never been on Twitch before. Mm-hmm. How do I know this guy? I scour a little bit. I'm like, from where it's not any other baseball or it's not any other call of duty. It's not like any other game I've been playing, but I was like, wait, I go to MPV mods and I see this guy's name next to, he used to make Mets dynasties all the time. He did a revisit of the 1994 season. He made like fantasy drafts, uh, franchise and stuff like that. It was Scuffy. That's awesome. Scuffy made ML MVP baseball 2005 content. I used to read his content and like interact with him 15 years ago, 10 years before I went on the Twitch. I'm like, wait, I know this guy. Mm -hmm. It was the nicest guy. Connection. The nicest guy on planet Earth. One of my favorites. Awesome. 
and chat listeners, I just say chat instinctively. That's what you call a bookend. That is how you end an episode. That's called a callback. That's called a, a kicker. That's I'm trying to think of every word you could possibly think. That's how you bring things back from the front to the back. So, Mike, this has been awesome to have you on. I know we've been talking for weeks and weeks at, at one point, try to figure out how to get you on because, you know, lives and being busy. But this has been so worth the wait. Um, very last thing, where can the people find you if they're not already following you? And uh, how can they support your content? Once again, thank you for having me here. This was fun. Um, content Twitch, YouTube, TikTok is Mike Dro TV. Twitter is now Mike Dro with an underscore because TV got put in the <laughs> in the rinse by Jack. He doesn't like copyrighted material from tweets God in 2018, Jack. so I recommend cleaning out the hard drive on that. But otherwise, it's Mike Dro TV straight up, and uh, I hope you like pizza. Who doesn't? I mean, if you. I don't know what to tell you if you don't, but guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been episode 57 of the show, the podcast. We'll be back next week with more rants and general debauchery really. Uh, but catch a stream Wednesday, Thursday, between five 30 and six Eastern time. We're going to kick off Sunday, 9.00 AM end of September. Support me. If you can, if not, I still love you. Just showing up is more than enough for me. So uh, that's it guys. I'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>